You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. Well, life, you know, life is a little unexpected. And tonight I'm going to talk about one of the things that I have learned hugely that has helped me to deal with the stuff that's come into my world when I really kind of didn't see it coming. I was brought up in a really um, conservative Christian background. And I was firmly of the belief that if I made all the right decisions, I'd end up with all the right results. <laughs> And unfortunately, uh, the bad news is it's not quite as simple as that life happens to us all. The other day I was in a car and I'd I'd got a, a, a a lending car from the panel beaters. And what he did was he he lent me the car and he took my car to fix my car. And as as I left, he started to talk to me about details. Now, I'm not a details kind of a girl. I'm more of a big picture girl. So he started wiring on in my ear something about foot pedals or brake pedals or something. I'm just like, whatever, let's just give me the keys. How hard can it be? Leave me, some of you can see where this is going. Anyway, so we drove, <laughs> I drove down the road and um, I pulled up to the first intersection. It was on a hill. <clears throat> and I went to put on the brake. And just as I went to put on the brake, I sort of had the split second memory when I thought, oh my goodness, something about the foot brake, something about the handbrake. And I realized that I, I jammed my foot onto the foot brake, which was instead of the handbrake. But unfortunately, I had also gone into a bit of an autopilot, you know, as you do when you're driving. So my hand reached down to grab what should be the handbrake. And somebody, the designer of this car, in all their infinite wisdom, had decided while putting a foot brake down there on the same space where your handbrake is, they would put the handle for the seat. That, <laughs> So if you pull it up, the seat goes back. So anyway, I pull up to this thing. I stop. Mercifully, the foot goes on the foot brake. I look at the lady next to me and I go, (laughs) and I disappeared. It was like a magic trick. And so I then slowly brought myself back up. I think she thought I'd been raptured or something because I'm so spiritual. Um, But (laughs) life happens, you know? Suddenly we're driving along the road, neck neck went up, we've fallen over backwards. But, you know, stuff happens to us. And one of the things that I have dealt with in the last few years has actually been dealing with my mental and emotional health in a way that I've never dealt with before. And um, I've I've had some things come into my world um, around anxiety and around depression and mental health, and they have given me so much to learn. I say my life has been like a long series of getting knocked off my high horse and getting back on progressively smaller horses. And right now, I'm saddling up a chihuahua. (laughs) So this kind of stable, organized, beautiful ministry, wonderful God, blessed me life, turned around and turned on its head um, nearly six and a half years ago. And since then, I have had to lean in on God more than I ever have before. I say I believe a lot less about a lot, uh, a lot more about a lot less things. I hold tightly to things that matter and the things that don't matter. I've just learned to say, you know, let's just let them go. So during that period of time, one of the songs that I used to sing to myself a lot is this classic old country song, One Day at a Time. And a time when I was really dealing strongly with clinical depression, um, I actually wrote new verses for this song. And I'll sing it to you today because I love to, to, to share with you. But to be honest, I wrote these for me. One of the verses says, I've walked for weeks without seeing the sun, but I'm confident tides will be turning. And I'd encourage you today to hang on to the seeds of hope that are inside of you. Hang on to the dreams that are inside of you and know that what is required of you is simply one day at a time. If I had known all my life would 
I do have some CDs for sale out the back. I mentioned to the ladies on, we had fun on Friday night, didn't we, ladies? Yeah, yeah. oh, who's, who's back from Friday night? I'm gonna sing another song. I'm gonna do one more song later at the end, but it's not one, the one you're thinking of. <laughs> Just a private joke there with the ladies. All right. Um, I like singing to women because they, you know, they laugh at anything I say. Siri, not available. You are not connected to the internet. I know. Siri has a way of butting in on everything, eh? Go away. We have fun because I, I do, I love speaking to men actually too, but they can be a bit of a tough crowd sometimes. I was playing once in a town um, called Nelson in the top of the South Island of New Zealand and men from the South Island can be a little bit gruff, 
little bit tough, you know. I like to say they spend less time doing hair and makeup than the boys from Auckland, but um, they are a bit tough. And this man sat in front of me, um, and he was very close, but it wasn't like this tonight with the lights and that. It was um, artificial lighting, very close, and he was eyeballing me, and he was kind of giving me the death stare. You know, like the look, he had a big beard, and he just looked at me for all that, and I just thought, oh, he hates me. You know, he, clearly I can tell from his body language, he hates me. Later on, I was at the back and we were at the CD tables and he kind of made a beeline for me and I thought, oh, here we go. I'm gonna hear all about this. He walks up to me and as he came up, he had a little tear coming down his face. And he goes, that was the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I was like, bro, you could have given me just a little bit of feedback. Anyway, but <laughs> we had fun with the ladies. Anyway, I do have some CDs. So uh, Julia Grace and Beautiful Survivor, which that song, Thanks to You, uh, are on those albums. Songs of Hope and Faith. Um, Amazing Grace, one of my favorites to do as a collection of mine and my grandma's favorite hymns on there. And then my latest album, my um, is called Girl on the Kitchen Floor. These are songs that bring... Um, have, I have heard that bring hope and healing into other people's worlds. So I'd love you um, if you wanted to grab one of those. As I told the ladies, I received a New Zealand Music Award, which is kind of like a Logie for New Zealand music. Um, and Helen Clark presented me with my award. Um, if any of you know Helen Clark, you would understand me when I say she said, Congratulations! <laughs> which was exciting and frightening at the same time. So <laughs> um, they're up the back there. A few years ago, Pastor Francine invited me to One Voice Conference and I got up and I turned 40 in my 40th year and I stood up and I said in front of 700 women, I said, I, I'm turning 40 and I declare this my year of jubilee. I had no idea what that meant. It just sounded quite cool and I sort of looked like a spiritual giant at that point, but I thought, you know, it sounded fun. Everybody clapped and thought I was a prophet or whatever. So, um, and turns out I wasn't. And so what happened was within um, two weeks of getting back of my year of wonderful jubilee, um, my husband of 17 years left me. And um, I found out later that your year of jubilee is where everything is returned to its original positioning. What a muppet. I mean, seriously. <laughs> no, I'm, I don't think God's stuck doing what I ask, thank goodness. But the following year, I thought, well, I'm gonna call this my year of rebuild because that sounds good, kind of spiritual. Call that rebuild. I hadn't factored in that when a building is kind of shaky, the first thing you do with rebuild is you raise it to the ground. So what was happening every year, I'd come up with this great idea and then I'd, I'd pray and, and then terrible things would happen. And I thought, I'm coming up with a new, I said, God, here's my new prayer. Dear Lord, please ignore everything I say. Because <laughs> I didn't really know what to think. I, I couldn't figure out what to pray for anymore in my world. Now, I don't believe in the magic words. I don't believe that you can accidentally kind of get it wrong and, you know, oh, I'm, I'm scared of that stuff because all different, you know, places have different opinions on this stuff. But I do believe that I thought I'll go for a safer option just to keep things, you know, clear. So what I thought is this year, I would go for what I call my year of contentment. Yeah, see, can't go wrong. I thought, you know, if it's really great, boom. If it's terrible, boom. <laughs> Either way, I'm winning. Now I thought, I don't want some fad. I want a deep-seated understanding. Actually, what I had to learn as my life unraveled was I had to learn to become comfortable with the discomfort because the stuff that had been around my world and structured and held me up, we would talk about, oh, God's blessed me with a house. And then I had to sell it. And I'm like, uh-oh, where's that blessing going? 
you know, and oh, the Lord's blessed me with a wonderful husband, and then, oh, uh-oh, what's happening now? I'm still a Christian. I'm still believing, tithing, praying, crossing, whatever, you know, do, I'm covering all my bases, all my denominational bases, you know, because we go to lots of different churches and everyone's got a different opinion. You know, you say, oh, my life's been a bit rough. They're like, oh, you know, the Baptists say stop drinking. Anglicans say start drinking. <laughs> Brethren say get off the stage. <laughs> uh, too soon, eh, uh, yeah. <clears throat> but I, I realised I, I needed an understanding. I needed something deep seated. Now I love a good fad, don't get me wrong. I love a good fad. In the 80s I did a lot of fad diets, as we did, you know, you know lose, lose 18 kilos by 5 p.m., you know, guaranteed. Results may vary. But I did a few different diets. And I, I, one diet I did, I only ate bran muffins for a week with mixed results. <laughs> oh, I remember only eating Weight Watchers jelly for a period of time. And it wasn't that nice one they have nowadays. It was when they used to have like Finley Lenlene in it, you know, one of those funny aspartame sweeteners. Hasn't affected me at all. <laughs> no, but, and then I, I discovered... Well, when I say discovered, I heard through the grapevine that if you swallow chewing gum, it should take seven years to digest in your stomach. I thought, a oh, genius. What I'll do is I'll just swallow a whole lot and it will fill up half my stomach. And then instead of getting like, you know, some issue, I'll just, oh, I'll only eat half. So I swallowed a lot of chewing gum. Um, it kind of had the opposite effect of the brand muffins, if you know what I mean. So I'll just leave that to your imagination, but... <laughs> My sister and I, we went, we went along to Weight Watchers when we were a bit younger. And she, she went the week before, so she was an expert. Because there's none so self-righteous as the recent convert, am I right? You know, she's like, oh, I know all about this stuff. And she sort of gathered me in and she's like, right. And she told me about my points and she gave me a big lecture. And I was like, oh, I was terrified of her, you know. And so she said, you can only eat this or this. You can't have both, and if you want to have that, you've got to save up your points. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. And she bought a box of Weight Watchers ice cream. <laughs> it's like an oxymoron, isn't it, really? But it was, it was like this long rectangle container with 10 servings in it. <laughs> and um, yeah. anyway, so she bought this box, and she gave me a big lecture. She said, you can have one slice, but only if you didn't eat the apple. And if, you know, you can only do this. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. So the next day I was so well behaved. I saved up my points, I was so excited. The day went by and it came to the evening and, and, and you know, one night had passed on our Weight Watchers diet and I lifted up the lid of the freezer and I looked and I looked and I looked and I couldn't find it. I went up to my sister, I said, I can't find the ice cream. She goes, oh. <laughs> so I got up in the night and ate the whole lot. <laughs> we were kicked out of Weight Watchers after that. Anyway. So contentment, there's an amazing scripture that the Apostle Paul gave on contentment, we're gonna pop it on the screen because that's gonna turn me into, I've gone from a musician to a speaker and now I'm a preacher. <laughs> you don't think there's a hierarchy in church? <laughs> You'd be wrong. Okay, so now I have really, I'm a little lower than the angels right about now. Okay, so Philippians 4 verse 11 says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have, uh, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, <laughs> on one of my diets, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. 
It's an amazing verse, I love it. But unfortunately, when we look at the verse in context, what we realize is that Paul, his source of his strength was the lesson of contentment. We wanna pick out the nice bit, right? We go through the Bible and we pick out the lovely bits. You know, we put them in little Facebook posts and, and we bless everybody with just the cherry picking out of the Bible. I like to pick out like really vicious sounding quotes, putting little flowers on them and sticking them on Facebook, Hey, eh? You're like, the Lord shall smite thee. Have a nice day. That's <laughs> just a bit of fun. But, you know, we pick out the bits that we like and we, what we like is I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You know, I'm out shopping, I can do all things. You know, we're in the, in the gym, I can do all things. Eating the ice cream, I can do <laughs> whatever it is. But we forget that there's a context around it, unfortunately. Because I found this bit of a verse somewhere in the New Testament, and it says, for I shall gladly spend. Let's just meditate on that for a little while. I just think that's a word for someone. <laughs> All the husbands have gone a bit tight there. They're like, get her off. This is why I was just talking to the ladies. Um, you know, there's another one in the Old Testament, probably in Numbers, eh? and it says, for, for men shall hotly pursue me. <laughs> Look what happened. <laughs> I mean, you know, we like to pick out the little good bits there, but we forget that it's easy to be content when things are good. It's easy in the plenty. It's easy to love the blessings of God and oh, it's so great when everything's good. But when we're in want and need, it's much, much harder. But I like this word, whatever. It's a whatever. Now it's best done in a British accent. Whatever. Whatever. Let's all say it together. Whatever. I'm not doing like a rude signal here, by the way. I'm from West Auckland. And this would be, this doesn't mean anything bad in Australia, does it? Cool. Not like the Americans coming and preaching about the fanny pack and all that. Oh, that's just awful. But you know, no, okay, cool. So that's good. I just had a moment there where I wondered, and then I thought, don't mention it, but that's like red rag to a bull, really. So I think we've got to learn whatever. You know, fry pans, non-stick fry pans. They have a coating on them of Teflon, and what they are done—they've learned a bit of resilience. I think when life comes to us, when our circumstances change, we've got to learn a little bit of a whatever. We've got to let some stuff slide. If everything everyone ever says about us sticks to us, it's gonna deeply hurt us. If every word that's spoken about you or every comment made about you online or every little nudge or every little thing, it's going to really mess with our head if we let it stick. We've gotta get a bit of Teflon. Now it's easy to sort of say, oh, well, you know, I don't worry about that stuff. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. We let things stick. And you know, things stick to bruises. Things stick to painful parts. If you have dealt with rejection in your life, it's a painful place. And if somebody brushes past you and you know, you offer to help and they're like, oh no, that's fine. Ooh, it's really wounding. And we need to learn to actually deal with some of the stuff from our past and get a bit of Teflon on us. Learn to say a little bit of whatever, you don't have to say it out loud because you might get fired. Um, but you know, just some stuff, we just let it slide and go, you know what, this doesn't define me. This doesn't say who I am. This is not gonna be the rest of my life. Actually, it's not the end of the world. Start to take those big fears and bringing them down into some kind of perspective. If you've got a Teflon front, you need a Velcro back because we need to stick together. 
You know, we, got, we, we are vulnerable when our backs are exposed. And what I love about community, what I love about you guys' amazing church, thank you so much, Pastor John and Pastor Francine, for having me. You have created a community where people can come and stick to you, where people can come and stick together and know that I can deal with this as long as someone else has got that. Someone else has got my back. God's got my back. God is saying who I am. God is defining me. God is holding me. And I can bravely do my thing knowing that I can lean back on him at any moment. And the people around me will stand. You know, in the old days, the Romans, they used to get those big, you know, armies and they'd they'd hold up their big shields and they'd stand together. They'd lock arms together. We're stronger together. We're actually stronger when we hold on to one another. When I deal with mental wellness and mental health, a lot of this is actually talking about this concept of not isolating yourself. When we're not feeling well, when we're feeling a little anxious, if we are suffering from depression or dealing with mental wellness issues, all we wanna do is exit. We just wanna take ourselves out. It's the first thing we wanna do, and yet we've gotta be brave enough to stay in community. Stay in the house, stay in the family, stick together. Three kinds of challenges come into our world in the course of our life. And I like to call these three kind of grades of of rocks. You know, we've got our pebbles, our boulders, and our meteorites. Now, the first one is pebbles. Pebbles are the little things, the stuff that just kind of grinds away at us. You know, those little things that grind your gears? That stuff that just works on, just drives you a little bit crazy. Now, the problem with pebbles, no one ever brings you a meal just because people are annoying you. I can really see you having a rough day. Look, Pastor John, let me just serve you. You know, no, they're just like, you come on, harden up, you'll be fine. Bad things happen, they all run around and help you. Little stuff, it's just like, "Mm -mm." but sometimes I wonder, you know, would you rather be stabbed to death in the suddenly or like, you know, pecked to death by a duck. I don't know which is worse. It's like long and slow and, and, you know, not very dramatic. Well, that would actually be quite dramatic, couldn't it? Probably not a good example. But, um, you know, little things, we feel like we're being sandpapered down. And I don't like details. I mentioned to you before, my friend, um, he loves to go fishing. And so he bought me, um, I went around to their house and he said, would you like some fish? I said, of course I'd like some fish, you know. And so he handed me a bag of fish and then he started giving me instructions on how to like look after the fish. And I mean, it wasn't alive, but you know, how to wash it and clean it and do all the stuff. And, and I was like, oh, whatever, you know, how hard can it be? So I popped it on the ground of the car and then I reversed and then I drove away quite quickly and it just kind of slid under the, just slid under the passenger seat there, just there. And so this was um, around January, uh, <laughs> in the middle of summer and in Auckland we did have a hot day. The sun shone just one day that year and um, no, I'm kidding, it was two days, but no, it was a nice sunny day and I went up and I was playing at a big conference and preaching up there and speaking. So I went in and, you know, we had a great time. We had worship and I preached up the storm and came out and I went and stayed at a, a, a house up the road and went in, lovely, came out. Next day, I opened the door and whoa, my car was not smelling good. But I've, I couldn't figure out what the smell was. Details. Who cares, you know? I thought, oh, it must be, you know, something on my shoes, something funny, something. So I drove down the road. I had all the windows down. As I sort of screeched around a corner, out slid this package. <laughs> and I was just like, Wah! there it is. I must admit, and I'm sorry if there's any eco-friendly people here, I just picked up that single-use plastic bag 
and I just hurled it out the window. <laughs> it's probably going to be there for like a, you know, a thousand half years or something. If you're a scientist, I'm sorry, but I just couldn't handle the smell. Details. They're little, but they work, they wind up on us. When it comes to our, our health, when it comes to our contentment, they can wear it away. Something that feels okay today is not gonna feel okay tomorrow if you need to deal with it over and over and over again. We need to learn as a community to make sure that we're still looking after the people who are only, only, I say in inverted commas, just dealing with the pebbles. You know, sometimes we're so quick to help those who are in major need, we forget that there's people around us who really, really need our support and love, if only for a little bit of a whinge. Just to sit down and go, Someone said the other day, oh, but whenever I say I've got a problem, people say to me, oh, you know, yeah, but it could be worse. I was like, yeah, (laughs) but it could be better too. You know, I said, let's just stop for a minute and admit that's horrible. So let's just stop for a minute and admit that what you're dealing with is hard. It doesn't mean it's the end of the world. Doesn't mean I'm suggesting that everybody's gotta stop for a moment and we'll have a little moment in time. And, you know, let's just acknowledge that what we're going through is a pain in the neck and move on. I talked on Friday night about the concept of keep calm and carry on. I disagree, I say make a big scene and carry on. I'm making a tea towel. You know, let it out and carry on and let your people be with you there. Second one is the boulders. (laughs) These are fun. Boulders are what I call the consequences of our choices. They are predictable, They are normal, they're natural, they're they're just life, but they're still quite hard to get over. Let me give you an example. If you have a baby, you will get a teenager. I know. If you get married, you'll have a spouse. These things have natural consequences. It's like they they have this baby and then we just get like, wow, where did this teenager come from? We're like, well... (laughs) Mummy and daddy loved each other very much. <laughs> had a special cuddle and now we have the teenage. You know, and it's like we get into the, you know, we plant the trees and then we walk around the forest going, whoa, where did this come from? It, it's life. Life's life. You know, and sometimes people are, oh, the Lord's cursing me and I'm under attack. I'm like, no, you just had a baby. And it just grew up and he's just really annoying right now. You know, that's life. House maintenance. Body maintenance. <laughs> I'm just letting my eyesight go at the same rate as my body and I don't care. Someone said I should get new glasses. I said, why would I want to know that? <laughs> Leave me alone. But you know, when we make choices in life, we need to learn to look ahead and go, I'm probably gonna have to deal with this stuff. The cool thing about community is we can help one another over those things. If you are dealing with, you know, if you've got little kids now and you're dealing with toddler stuff, there will be people on the other side of that boulder who can help you out. Now, they're not coming back to have another baby. No siree. But they've got good advice. They can reach their hands over. They can call back to you and go, hey, guys, it's fine. You'll get there. We will help you out. You know, if you're in a stage in your life, if you're at university or you're working through your exams, just find someone who's gone there before you and say, how the heck did you do it? And they will be over there going, come on, come on, come on, cheerleader, cheerleader, cheerleader. They're not gonna come and do it for you. Not for free anyway. (laughs) But you know, they're not gonna come and fix the problem, but they can cheer you over those boulders. But when we get to that stuff, I think we've got to use our brain. 
And we've got to realize that life happens to us all. It's not the devil trying to attack you. It's not that your dad was a Freemason. It's just stuff happens sometimes. Sorry, too soon there. Um, just sometimes in life. And I think we can over-spiritualize stuff. We pray for things that we don't, we could just use our brain. Oh, Lord, just make me fit. Oh, I just, oh, if only there was a way that I could be fit. Oh, I speak the spirit of fitness over myself. I speak it, I, I, I bind and loose, I can't remember which one. I bind the spirit of unfitness and I just loose it, I bind it, and one of these and I'll do it, you know, you know, I'll try anything at this point, you know. Oh, you know, it's like, just go for a walk. It's not rocket science. You know what I mean? Sometimes we've got to do stuff practically to care for ourselves. When it comes to your brain and your emotional health, sometimes I think we're praying and praying and praying. God's like, get out of nature, go for a walk, get some good people around you, get your antidepressants from as many sources as you can because they are wonderful. You can get some green space, some fresh air. There's so many ways to deal with what you're dealing with. All right, so boulders, they're hard, they're big, but they are, you can get over them. All right, and the third one, is what I call meteorites. <laughs> These are the yuck ones. This is the stuff that comes crashing out of left field and explodes in our world. The things that we have made the right decisions, we've, we've really worked hard, we've done the stuff, and stuff happens out of left field in our world. Health problems, relational breakdown, financial issues, stuff that comes to us and actually rocks us because we feel like if we, have stayed, if, we've, if we have stayed our faith on the sense that, you know, God's blessing, when that stuff starts to shake, we can really get shaken. And unfortunately, these things happen to us all. Everybody I know has gone through something that doesn't make sense. And I talk about living in the tension between the two as a Christian. I believe that marriage is for life. I believe that, you know, that we create a covenant to one another and, and that's the plan of God and that's how I entered my marriage. I found myself in a situation where I became separated from, divorced from, and I have become remarried to this incredible man here. And I live in the tension between the two. I believe that my mind is renewed in Christ and you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but I still deal in my body with some mental health issues, with um, some anxiety and depression and I live in the tension between the two. My mum, who was the most well-behaved Christian woman you could ever meet, spent the last 15 years of her life with Parkinson's disease, suffering and eventually passing away. And I live in the tension between the two. A young man came up to me at a conference where I was speaking and he said, you know, if your mum had had a bit more faith, she wouldn't have had that. He's in the hospital now. And I should be in jail. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But I was like, seriously, bro, are you kidding me? But haven't we heard the subtle messages? As we look aside at people who are dealing with big things, oh, oh, not much faith, you know, oh, 9% tither. Didn't wear your hat to church. You know, ladies wearing skirts, trousers. All the, you know, the, the funny things we come up with, looking at the sideways, oh, you know, what have you been up to? The, no, life happens. 
Life happens to us all. I heard this old poem when I was a kid. It says, and it's actually based on a verse in Proverbs. It says, the rain, it raineth every day on the just and unjust fella, but mostly on the just, because the unjust has the just's umbrella. <laughs> it happens to us all. You know, these things that we have to deal with. And they are the things that drive us back to our knees. They are the things that drive us back to our faith because we can get it all sorted and then something goes wrong. Come back to your first love. Come back to where your faith began. It's all good in theory, but it's when the rubber meets the road. Like I said before, I, I believe a whole lot more about a whole lot less things. My faith has become deeper, but skinnier. It's become down deep into the roots of reality. And I don't worry about that other stuff anymore. I read this amazing uh, poem and it says, refuse to fall down. If you cannot refuse to fall down, refuse to stay down. If you cannot refuse to stay down, lift your head toward heaven and like a hungry beggar, ask that it be filled and it will be filled. You may be pushed down, you may be kept from rising, but no one can keep you from lifting your head, only you. It is in the midst of misery that so much becomes clear. The one who said nothing good came of this is not yet listening. God has promised that he can work all things together for good. And I live in the tension between that reality. How does he take things and turn them into, how does he make beauty from ashes? How does he bring things along? I don't know. But what I do know is he is faithful. He is faithful to his word. And what I do know is that if we hang in there and we give him time and give him space, he will do what he has promised he will do. Thank you for listening to this podcast.